Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Welcome to Season 31, Episode 4 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Nick. And in today's episode... Kettle from Germany asks about streaming TTRPGs. Steffi from Scotland offers their strategy for prepping one-shots. And Actual Jesse talks about playing the One Ring RPG. Um, if you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Please send us emails. We re- I'm begging you to send us emails. We really need emails right now, please. This is a call to action. Do it. Send the emails. Do the emails. Light the beacons. <laughs> Gondor calls for aid. Gondor calls for aid. Oh, yeah, it really does. Okay, so much so much Lord of the Rings stuff lately. <laughs> so much Tolkien diving in as I'm prepping for GMing the One Ring. It's amazing. All right, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, announcements. Um, our City of Mist actual play launched today. They did session zero. They won't be playing again until December 2nd because they wanted time after session zero to like plan and prep the game based on what the character, or the, what the players had created. Um, but that will be playing on Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So all of you who are usually asleep when we're doing AP might have a chance to watch this one and it'll be on Fridays. So every Friday. And it has some amazing new people in it. It's very exciting. Fantastic. Yeah. So I wish I wasn't working. I know, right? Me too. Maybe I'll have to set up my personal laptop over to the side of my work computer so I can so I can stream it. Yeah, I'll be like, okay, fourth graders, everybody be really quiet. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Yeah, they'll be fine. No problems there. It'll be great. Um, but yes, anyway. You know the principal's gonna walk in well, right, 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 right when someone drops the first F bomb. Right, absolutely. Eighteen plus. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But um, yeah. So really excited about that game. It's actually a remote game. We're getting some members of the Happy Jacks community pulled in from all over the globe. It's very exciting. Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, Lloyd. He's been a long time um, member of the Happy Jacks community. Um, he's way over in jolly old England somewhere, and he's jamming it. <laughs> I don't know how specific he wants me to be, so I'm going to be vague. Um, very charming accent, and he is just so dynamic and such a great GM. See, you narrowed it down to England. You could have said Great Britain, and great that Britain. would have left that would have been a lot. Yeah, that's true. I should have. <laughs> um, so just amazing, amazing dynamic GM, amazing table, um, some new people, some people you've seen in a lot of stuff. Joe is in it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so, and Rose is in it, who's been an amazing member of the Happy Jacks community for a while. It's just um, just very exciting. So definitely check that out if you can. And if you can't check it out live because you're working like us, because, you know, you Pacific Coast time, um, you can always check it out later when it is posted on the YouTube page. So, yeah, very exciting. Or if you have a time machine, you can check it out before. But no spoilers. Yeah. Uh, if you have a time machine, please use it for something. Like, I, that is an amazing game, but, like, there are more important things to do. <laughs> like, when you can just watch the VOD later. <laughs> I don't want to do amazing things. I want to go back and <laughs> watch my yeah. podcast early. Well, you can also listen to it. So it will be uh, 
released on the AP feed as well. So it will Fantastic. be. Yeah, it's very good. Um, and November, uh, we have our Indie Designer of the Month, which is Christine Christina Stonebush, and a.k.a. Hivemind, who's been around in the Happy Jacks community for quite some time, and she's amazing. Um, we talked a lot about her last week. She's a fantastic LGBT tabletop RPG designer who has worked with some great projects as a professional uh, freelancer. And you can find her personal work at Hivemind, H-Y-V-E-M-Y-N-D, at itch.io. And uh, this one... It has two Ys, and right where you think they're going to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so if you want to hear more about her, listen. make sure you listen to last episode. But this week we're talking about her solo journaling game, Hunger. Last week we talked about her fantasy game, Brighthammer. Um, Hunger, in Hunger you are a vampire with a human lover. And tonight is the night you're going to feed on them for the first time. So it's like a very tension building, very uh, erotic uh, solo journaling game. And you basically play it, there's like one side of a business card, and then all you need other than that is the paper writing utensils and a paper writing utensils and a deck of cards. If you have paper writing utensils, cool, that's different. Um, And basically it's like simple, enticing game where like tension builds as you decide whether or not you're going to draw the next card as you're doing journaling and... uh, People are raving about it. Like, if you read all the comments on, on the itch page, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It sounds very good. Um, and patrons have access to an in-depth interview with Christina that was posted, as well as a free copy of her game, Brighthammer. And we talked about all that and that amazing game in the last episode. So make sure you check out hivemind.itch.io and go follow Christina and her amazing games. And we'll talk more about the other one, which is, like, the the flip side of Hunger which is Thirst, which is the one she designed. And you are the human lover of the vampire. And it's mm. also, so we'll talk about that one next week. So, yeah, check it out. All right. I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Do you want to read okay. the first email? Uh, sure. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Hello, Jackers. I swear I've taken the length stuff to heart and will keep the mail at a reasonable size this time. So, in the beginning... Okay, okay. Ill-fated attempts at jokes aside, yes, this was attempted a joke. No, I can't delete it. That's preposterous. There's a chance I will end up streaming a couple of sessions in a one-shot adventure. Aside from the more or less obvious list of things you need, like player buy-in, time-constrained sessions, cheat sheets, fast decisions, and no eating with open mics, what do I need to know, and how are the structure and rhythm different from regular games? What's something that I should avoid? Are there painful lessons I could sidestep? Keep being great. Kettle from Germany. Oh, wow. Yeah, streaming is a whole a whole thing. It's very different. Well, I'm mostly going to defer to you, because I don't think I've ever streamed a one-shot. You've run streams, though. You're here sure. and on Saving Throw. You were like, you, you know this about this stuff, especially the tech part of it. Yeah, but that was more like long-form, not one-shots. Well, I think, I think, too, I think the, a lot of the advice that Kettle's looking for would apply, though. Okay. Because, like, the, the technical aspects of it. <laughs> um, I Listeners, think... that was Nick saying, I don't know. And Kimmy said, well, you better, because we have a whole show. <laughs> <laughs> already done a lot of talking, Nick. It's your turn. Come on. Um, but, uh, first off, I think uh, it depends, like, what is the purpose of your streaming? It is something that you really need to consider first. If you're streaming it for friends to watch, if you're streaming it for yourself to reference later, um, that's very different than if you're streaming it to build an audience and get people to watch, 
or if you're streaming it for people to see how the game plays and use it for like Kickstarters or marketing later. Or just streaming it to record it so you have it for the future because take some time and record uh, record things with your friends because you'll want to look back on them later. Yeah, exactly. So first off, decide like the purpose. You probably already know the purpose, but I don't know the purpose. So I'm telling you to decide the purpose if you haven't. Um, if you're streaming just for fun, have fun. Don't stress about it. Like, like if you're not going to make this a regular thing where you're building an audience and you want people to tune in regularly, have fun. Don't worry about it. Um, if you are making it more, if you want to make it more professional. I, I actually, oh. be, before we move on to yeah. that, I want to address that, uh, that point again. As much as you can, forget the cameras and the mics are on you. Like, have a good time. Be yourself. Be interesting. Don't worry about what the camera sees or don't, like, maybe not pick your nose on stream, but, what? but like, other than that, you know, ha be, don't worry about the impression you're making. Worry about having a good time playing the game. Yeah. And that's true of whatever your purpose is. Right. Because if you're playing the game for to build an audience and you're not having fun or you're like so official about it that no one else is having fun, no one's going to want to watch that. People or also if, if you're not you. Yeah. Like if you're you, you're going to find the audience of people who want to see that. If yeah. you're faking something or trying to play to the camera or trying to have this persona, maybe you're maybe, maybe you can do it. But odds are what's going to happen is that you're going to have an off day and then everyone's going to be like, oh, well, what's... How come they didn't do this? Or, you know, or, or you get tired of a shtick. Like, yeah, I'm sure Jaleel White is sick and tired of having people say, did I do that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, if you're, if you're looking, if you're looking, okay, the mute is like, yeah, okay. Uh, if you're looking to build a brand, um, you've got to be consistent with it. We talk for a second while I fix this. Yeah, of course. Um, consistency for all of that is key. And that's going to be players who show up. That's going to be showing up, uh, on time, making sure that your stream runs or that you're very clear if something needs to change, like, oh, I need two weeks off or, you know, we're having a studio problem. So we'll be <laughs> back as soon as we can. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything like that, you want to make sure that you're up front and taking care of that, but try and keep everything consistent. Um, I have uh, done some things that I guess technically were one shots. I was in the producer side. And one of the problems was they had the show had a bunch of players, but not everyone would show up for every session. So that consistency, like it ruins some of the dynamic because this person you're making jokes with or who got invested in a in an aspect of the story uh, didn't come back. Or, or for a while, and so it had kind of fallen off the rails, and like the, those things are really disruptive. Yeah, he it, said, having just ditched <laughs> his AP the week before, but that's totally do, do as I say, don't do as I yeah. do. Well, and um, it's you have to think if you're streaming it, you're streaming it for people who are not at the table. So if you're at the table, having people come in and out of the story isn't as big a deal always because you're focused on your story with your character more. Where if you're consuming the media, if you're watching the story, you're looking for the story of everyone. So you really want that consistency as an audience member um, because because you want the whole story. And in your mind, as a player at the table, you can filter things out. You can remember things back. You know, you're, you're much more focused on the one thing. Um, so 
Yeah. So, th- so that's the, that's the key there. If you're going to, I mean, I, I say this things, life happens a lot. Someone who's in charge of the schedule and herding all the cats. I love you cats, but you are all cats. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Exactly. Things happen. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, Rose is in the chat saying, yeah, I was in the, the, heaven on high game today and i knew five minutes before it's yes because <laughs> life happened to someone else who was supposed to be in that game and she was my hero and i was like hey what are you doing right now you know the game that i sort of talked to you about but then it ended up being full it's not full anymore you want to play yeah sure when do you want to play right now right now are you at a computer drop it all yeah <laughs> and she jumped it um but yeah you have to also be ready for that too like go for consistency but also be ready at a moment's notice to not be consistent right. and have plan B and C and D and also just a lot of apologies. Um, so that's a thing too with, with streaming. And yeah. so I, I guess like some of the advice that we're talking about right here or what we've been talking about is if you were going to do one shots with recurring people and a recurring story, Yes, which isn't really a one shot, but like if, if you do it every once in a while, I would still categorize that as a one shot rather than, rather than an ongoing campaign or an ongoing story. Yeah, but... Uh, obviously, if you have different players and you're doing different stuff all the time, then some of this doesn't apply. Yeah. Well, I do want to push back a little bit because, like, people tune into a channel for the personalities they know. Um, so if you are one person who is con- who is always GMing and you have different people in each game, you are the, you are the anchor. You are the foundation. Um, a channel that has constantly rotating people... Um, is going to have a very different vibe and people have, and we have this on Happy Jacks where like people follow specific games because they have people they really resonate with and watch, whether they're GMs or players or things like that. Some people watch everything. Some people watch only things with those people in it. Um, so like how pe- people really need to connect with someone. And some people don't watch anything that has certain yeah. people in it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And when I say watch. <laughs> Dark I, corollary. Yeah. When I say watch, I also mean listen. So I'm including all my, our amazing podcast listeners. Um, but it's very consume, consume, consume the medias. Um, so, so having that consistency that again, the branding is really important. Even if you're doing, if you have, you know, a channel who, of one shots, like there are many podcasts out there. Um, pod of one is one, a great one like that, that, um, they, they just play like, one game, a game with one other person. And, but it's like the host who's constantly kind of that, that anchor. Happy Jacks has kind of been that. Like we have a rotating sign up, So like different hosts can jump in, but there's usually like that one or two anchor hosts who are there every time. It used to be Stu, now it's me. And so there's, there's that, that thing that, that everything else kind of circles around so that people who are tuning in and consuming, um, <laughs> uh, have that, that familiar, voice and that familiar touchstone so that's a really important thing um in addition to that like like worrying about the quality and you know that'll vastly be different like having having improved quality slowly over many many years still in the process of there it's a never-ending process um you know making sure you have uh you know good sound quality good you know, visuals, depending on like you're streaming it. So visual is an important aspect, making sure you have kind of things organized in a way that people can view it in a pleasing way. If you're playing remotely, um, you know, versus playing in person, there's different things to consider. And uh, there's a lot there. So there's a lot. I'm, I don't have, I'm not going to go into all of that, but 
there's a there's a wealth of knowledge about that all that on the internet um decide if you're just going to be like hey we're in a zoom meeting and i'm just going to stream the zoom meeting or whether you're going to mess with graphics and you know frames and are we going to put chat on the screen are we going to have chat at all where are we streaming it are we streaming it to youtube are we streaming it to twitch are we streaming it to both you know what do we want to do with it later what what i what i would say just kind of piggyback on what kimmy was saying is if you're all in one room make sure that you have uh, a visually pleasing setup for people to be able to watch because it's going to be distracting if there's uh, it's going to be distracting if it doesn't look like it's a play space. And you don't need to go and, like, make a full studio or do anything like that. But, like, filming in your garage probably isn't going to be great. You know, A, because of the lights, and, and B, because, you know, everyone's going to be worried about that rake falling on the GM halfway through <laughs> the game. Um, graphics are nice, but I don't think that they're super necessary. Um the thing that I always compare to webcomics is a good story will make me ignore bad art, yeah. but good art won't make me ignore a bad story. And it, that happens in the in the podcasting as well or in the streaming as well. Um, if you are remote, this is going to kind of suck, but I would recommend that you figure out what your base or your standard uh, camera is and mic is. Because nothing is more frustrating than than varying levels of clarity on the on the video, varying levels of audio feed that come through on the mics. And I say it sucks because maybe it means you have to invest in, you know, or get your players to invest in uh, a certain brand of mic, and not everyone has money to be able to do that all the time, or a certain brand of camera. Yeah. Um, you might want to make a rule like, hey, no, no laptop cameras. Everyone has to get an independent you know, mm-hmm. all over the monitor camera or something yeah. just just to try and get yourself so you look and sound the same. Yeah. I would highly, highly recommend that before your first game, you do tests, even if it's not with your actual, I mean, it can be with your actual players. That's fantastic. Um, but like do some tests, like see how different people sound, learn how to like mess with the levels with whatever software you're using um, if you're using something like OBS or Streamlabs OBS or something like that, like there's a lot of functionality there for making things sound more even for sound compression, things like that. Um, OBS has great noise filtering, um, which you, you feel the amazing effects of here. Not so much tonight, but when the air conditioning's on in the summer, like absolutely like that, that helps you all so much. Um, so there's just a lot of functionality there. Play with it before your first session and have, I'm, the biggest hypocrite in the planet, on the planet. In, I'm not in the planet, on the planet. Um, <laughs> um, but have a call time about 30 minutes before you start streaming. Oh, yeah. And that way, especially remote, it, when we're here in person, it's a little less dire. Um, but absolutely for for remote games, that way you can do levels with everyone. If someone's like really close to the camera and everyone else is really far away, you can kind of like, see if you can even out a little bit, things like that. Um, now we have had people use, um, uh, like webcams or like, like computer cameras, laptop cameras. Um, a couple of the sessions we did for hex breakers, um, Riley was using, she, she just uses her laptop camera and depending on your laptop, like that can be great. Like a lot of Macs have like super high quality cameras, but you just want to make sure it's like raised up. So it's at like a pleasing angle. 
Right. So and you're things not getting like that. chin. Yeah. So you're and not nose. like nose and chin <laughs> like this. Like we've all been to meetings that are like this and you're just super awkward. Stuff like that. So just, just play around with it. Make sure it looks nice and it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, like Nick was saying, you don't have to build a studio. Just kind of be aware of your surroundings. Like if everyone's in their living rooms, fine, but try and like not have like the laundry behind them or something like have a nice wall behind them or something that's sort of like neutral or have everybody turn on um like the it's actually zoomed as amazing uh background wiping mm-hmm. um if you have any kind of normal background at all it can pretty much wipe everything and if you give everyone the same image to use as a background it can look really really pretty slick with very little effort um so yeah play with all that i don't know if when when we did um on uh Jason's channel it's probably okay we actually had everybody key in on the same color green mm-hmm. so that then they could put a green screen image behind all of us that was consistent all the way through yeah. which was which I thought was pretty cool yeah it looks really nice it's very cool um so there's lots of tips and tricks to do uh definitely having everyone log on early so you can like really like sort everything out get all of the, the do all your troubleshooting yeah do all the troubleshooting because there will always be trouble um and just be like ready to go um, ha- having yeah. been having done this professionally in a in another studio there's nothing more pants clenchingly <laughs> frustrating <laughs> then you're about to go live in five minutes and something isn't working and you're just trying to find it because you want to be on time. You know, you, you treat it. Here's what I'd say. Treat it professionally. Mm -hmm. Like it isn't a job. So if you're a couple minutes, like, no, it's no big deal. No one's going to, you know, break down. You're not going to get fired over. But, but treat it like a job. If people say, Hey, I can make a commitment to this time then make sure that they show up at that time. And if they can't do that, then maybe don't invite them back for the next one shot yeah. and find someone who can. Hashtag a schedule is a promise. Yes. <laughs> um, but also you have to be really understanding that um, like this isn't a job. So, and it's, and so one of the things that's very important here at Happy Jacks is uh, we, we don't worry about making money. So we don't play, we don't pay our players or our GMs, but I also don't, like as the the channel owner, I also don't make any money. Everything eventually, when we make profits and I stop paying off all the stuff for the studio, <laughs> will go back into like paying for the utilities to run this place and the air conditioning in the summer, which is very expensive, <laughs> and uh, all the hosting space we have for all the years of podcasts we have, all that stuff. Right. So it's not, I, at least morally, I don't believe it's okay for the channel owner to be making money if the people who are making the content aren't getting paid. So balance that out too. decide, are, hey, are, am I am I deciding to be a streamer because I want to make money on it? In which case you need to go at it from a very different um, point of view than me. Oh, yeah. If you're going to do your one shots in order to try and get, you know, sponsorships, that's a lot different than if you're just doing it because you want to play with friends and put it online for other people. Yeah. So that's a, again, like honing in on your purpose and your audience is, is key for really, really making anything that you're going to release out into the wild. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we've done a lot of like streaming advice. Uh, I know, but not so much the one shot The actual stuff. game. I don't know if it's <laughs> game stuff, but um, like plan ahead, really look at the system uh, because some systems are just you know, like they work really well with like um, theater of the mind. 
And some systems lose so much if there's not an actual map that you see. So plan ahead for that. Test out the stuff with the map ahead of time. Like, we did we did stuff with maps back in the day. Some of it's not the best. I was I was proud of it at the time. I liked it. Now, you know? yeah. Now, Kimmy, looking back on my like <laughs> very like crafty little solutions for things, I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Look at you. But I may need yeah. to talk to you actually about <laughs> that for the for the uh, Savage Worlds game I'm, I may run because <laughs> I can run it in Theater of the Mind, but sometimes a map is really helpful for that. Yeah. For that particular style so i don't think we're set up to have a map cam or anything no uh i have uh digital maps all set up like i, I put a bunch of time into like figuring it out and like stuff right after the pandemic started because i was like okay like we're gonna be in this for like three months so we better prepare <laughs> to have like all kinds of games online and uh then nobody ever used it because everyone did theater of the mind and now we are like three years later two years later and uh but yeah um okay we're gonna be using um it's a, a Jamboard is what it's called. It's on, um, it's a Google app. It's made for classrooms. They uh-huh. launched it during the pandemic because it's like, it's basically like a digital whiteboard. Um, but what you can do with it is you can put the map on it and then everyone just get, share the link. It's like any other Google thing where everyone can log in and they can all move their own little pieces. So you I think just, we did that a little bit on the drop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You did. Um, but we can continue. And now that we have, are starting to have screens for everybody. It'll be much easier. Yeah. So. Um, I had something and then I, I got, I, so I, I apologize. I, my joke I about side rail this into, into my game. Yes. <laughs> but no, no, um, but like, that's a good solution. Like if people, if you're looking to, to have, um, uh, the, uh, maps, that's what we we're talking about. Maps, um, digitally or on stream, like that's a really great thing. It's something that's really easy to, to use and it's also really easy for the gm to just drop in an image every time um and it's a lot easier to make it look nice than trying to like lay a map out on the table and getting a good shot of that because that is really hard um because you have to much harder than doing something like if you're going to play through like roll 20 or yeah or what's the forge one anyway yeah um a lot of the vtts will let you set something like that up and you can you could just have a screen or a link that everyone can, you know, log into and move their pawns around uh, yeah. for the game. Yeah, that's smart. Like, that's basically what Jamboard does, but fancy and nice. <laughs> um, the, the thing, this this is more streaming than it is the one-shot item, but um, if you do play in person and you do have a map and you don't have a way to show that to people, don't try not to let people rely explain what they're doing exclusively based on the map. So yeah. if someone says it's a lot better for your stream, if someone says I'm going to move over here behind these barrels and take cover, then say I'm going to move over here and take cover because that doesn't give the listener or the watcher anything to yeah. hook onto. Yeah, that's that makes for super super boring content. Um and even when even if they can see it, if there's not like pointing happening, but you're like, oh, I want to move over there, and it's just like a picture of the map. That's not right. That's not no, no one knows what you mean by there. <laughs> yeah, it's like um five squares to the left or whatever. Or <laughs> if you can like if if you have a way where people can like point it or move their own pieces or whatever, then that's great. Um, so that's always helpful. And just really think about like what makes that system like why are you playing that system and what makes that system really shine. 
Because if it's the emotional interaction between the characters, then you're going to want some like clear camera angles where you can see the emotion happening with those, with those players. Um, you're going to want um, like them all on there at the same time. Uh, you want to make sure that you want <laughs> that everyone's aware that they are on camera the whole time, which takes getting used to. And I really struggled with that the first couple of online games I played that we streamed because I am so distractible and I have so many things to do all the time. Like I'm constantly trying to get more things done. So I inevitably I'll be like playing, 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 open up another window. I can type a thing. I'm playing, I'm playing. Did someone say my name? Everyone's not talking. Is it, is it, did they say my name? And if you watch that AP, you know exactly the moment I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm just going to look cool. I'm just going to look cool and like, yeah. Shit, I've waited too long now. I can't ask about it. So now, I, now I'm just going to sit. <laughs> like the vocal equivalent, or the, the, oh, vi- the visual equivalent of just saying, I didn't hear what they said, so I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except you're pretty sure they talked directly to you and you just like missed it. People are much better about it now. Like after the pandemic, like. People have done it more. People so got a lot yeah. more used to, to these this hundred percent interactive. Yeah, um, so yeah, that's that's another thing. Like, and don't be afraid to be like, I'm sorry, and like like have a chat that you can talk as players in without doing it on camera. That's very very helpful. Oh yeah, having like a Slack channel or something, or a lot of the, yeah. the VTTs let you have something like yeah. that, or even Zoom chat is fine as long as it's not on screen, um, where you're like. Did you just say something to me? I couldn't hear you or whatever it was. Or, hey, we've got five minutes left, whatever it is to kind of help with the timekeeping. Or, hey, I'm about to do something with the with our two characters. Is that okay? Yeah. Or, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. Do, don't do don't focus on me or <laughs> call on me right this moment. Stuff like that. That is normally in person, like, wouldn't be a big deal. You're like, hey, I'm going to go pee. I'll talk to you later. Um, you know, whatever it is. And But... Like, on stream, it's a little awkward. Like, it's not terrible, but if that's the vibe you're going for, cool. But it's a little, it's a little strange. Um, the the one thing, because I just remember what it was I was uh, going to say before. Mm-hmm. One thing that can save you a lot of pain is take a look at the system you're planning on running and see if it is built for one-shot play or built for campaign play. Mm-hmm. Because there are... Different games bring different strengths yeah. to something to something like that. And so some games really shine if you're going to run a campaign mm-hmm. because you have a chance to develop the world, develop the characters, do all this stuff. Other games are great, are, are better at one-shots because they don't have a lot of depth for those sorts of things. Yeah. And you can get in, tell a cool story, and then get out without having to worry about how experience works and how you level up characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that is a hundred percent true. Uh, I and I actually like. I love when I'm running one shots to do part of the character creation stuff at the table. That might not be something you want to stream. Uh, like again, think about what you want to focus on. If you're trying to highlight the game and how to play it, you probably shouldn't play one shots necessarily for everything because. Usually, like, the character creation process takes at least most of a one-shot's general normal um, runtime. But, you know, think about that, too. People, if you're trying to show off a game, people want to see the character creation piece. That's actually some of our... There are a lot of people who come and watch just the Session Zeros of our APs. Oh, okay. Just because they're not really AP people, but they want to run that system. 
And so watching the character creation session zero teaches them how to run that system. So if you actually go look at our IP numbers on, on YouTube, session zero usually has the most. Interesting. Because there are people who aren't interested in watching APs, um, and that's great, but they like Google how to play, you know, traveler, traveler session zero or character creation traveler and boom pops up our video. They watch that as like a tutorial more than like jumping into a story. Gotcha. Um, so that that's that's a great thing and it's very helpful. And we've had a lot of people be like, hey, I love your channel. I don't actually watch the APs. But that's, <laughs> that's not what I, I love do. your channel. I don't actually watch it, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't watch the full AP. I know. Yeah, because they're not there for that. They're there to to learn how to play the system. Well, it's honestly, it's a big uh commitment and, and yeah. investment time yeah. if if you don't have wide chunks of your day that you need to fill up with voices or video yeah, yeah maybe ap's aren't for you but <laughs> but anyway so those are those are all things to kind of keep in mind uh again like it sort of again ties back to the purpose what is your purpose um yeah uh i think that's a lot of good advice if you have something that we didn't touch on like you seem to know a lot about like fast decisions microphones um, ha oh, have a plan for if there's like dead time. Cause if like someone has to look up a rule or something, depending on your system, have a plan for that. Like, are you going to, you know, and, and you want to tell them like, Hey, if someone has to look something up, for those listening, I was making a little dance motions little with my with can my fingers. can fingers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so have a plan be like, Hey, I'm going to talk about the system. So as soon as you're done look, with whatever you're doing, feel free to tell me. Because sometimes if you just start talking, everyone will be really polite and just sit and wait. And you'll just keep talking, thinking they're going to tell you when they found the rule and that they're ready to go again. And you're just going to keep talking. And then you're going to start running out of things to say. And eventually it'll be very awkward. And you'll be like, oh, did you find it? Okay. okay. Or or kick it off to like a RP scene mm -hmm. or have a character tell a story about their past, something that will fill the time and in that case actually expand the the world even in a one shot it's kind of cool to hear stuff like that yeah if if you're the if you're running the game and you say hey it's going to take me a minute to find this can you go around the table and tell me what is your character's favorite breakfast food or yeah. what did your character last dream about mm -hmm. and that way people will start filling stuff in and buy you that time you need yeah and like this is a great moment to do that all right so so and so is about to grapple so you know someone else because that's always the rule you have to look up is the grapple rules. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna make a game that's nothing but grapple, but grapple rules. <laughs> <laughs> so you turn to someone else. Okay, how do you feel right now in this moment? Like those kind of questions that are like stalling or you know things like that are are really really helpful. Um, but I like your what's your favorite breakfast cereal? <laughs> it's a good one, and it gives people like silly questions like that like aren't as silly as they seem once you start using them regularly because they really do build character and they really make the the players think about their character in a different way. Right. And, you know, and maybe that informs an RP decision later. Yeah. Because if you know your character always has oatmeal for breakfast, then then maybe that means they're going to have something else for lunch. You know, I yeah. mean, of course, <laughs> why it did not come out the way that I thought that was going to come out. Started that sentence, did not land that sentence. Did not know where it was going to end, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, I also learn to laugh at yourself because your, your your mess ups will be there forever. The internet is forever and people will watch it. And 10 years from now, they will comment on a video <laughs> where you screwed up the rules when you were GMing that one time 
and like, um, actually, I know this is eight years late, but blah, blah, blah. And they still do that. And you have to like their comment. You know who you are. You actually don't because they probably don't watch. (laughs) Every once in a while I get comments like I'm like replying to all the nice stuff. And then like traveler from 10 years ago, I really wish you had a different camera angle. Could could, could you look at the new videos? We were in a garage, like a long table. Like there was one camera. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. I'm sorry. I just can't think of. I I just feel bad for them. Like, if your life is reduced to, I don't like the camera angle from a show that's 10 years old on the internet, you need some better something. Like, and it's okay to have that opinion, but really, to go in and type that 10 years later, whoa. When you look at the channel and there's very clearly no content that doesn't have that same camera angle. Like, if 10 years later we're still using that camera angle. Sure. Then, then like, make that comment. Yeah. But you know, we've been through two studios, multiple layouts. Yeah. Anyway. It's fine. It's, fine. it's all right. Uh, we do still sometimes get the, the, the belching uh, <laughs> reviews, too, for the podcast. I'm like, no, listen to the new one. There's, there's much, a very much smaller amount of belching. It's much reduced. Little. Tiny belches now. Very little. I'm going to belch in a minute, probably, because just because I said there was none, and then it'll just how my body will rebel and be like, right, right. you're going to belch now. But anyway. Not Tina Belcher, Tiny Belcher. <laughs> All right. I feel like we've waxed poetic on this quite a lot. Um, yeah, have fun with it. And you will get better, and you'll learn. It's something you literally just have to do and figure out what you don't know by doing it. So have fun. And yeah. Good luck. Yeah, share it with us, too. Yeah. Send us an email when it starts. Maybe we'll tune in and watch some of the the uh, one shots. Yeah, well, I, I can't make any promises for anyone, but yeah. One one of the things I want to look into doing uh, once we get indie design of the month really rolling um, is I want to start having like community games where if members of the community stream games, they can be like a Happy Ducks community game, and then we have like a playlist thing on our YouTube channel where they we wouldn't host the the the, the games on our channel. But if they have it, like, it'll be on a on a watch list on our channel. Okay. And, like, we'll have, like, graphics they can download and stuff like that. Like, no pressure. No one has to actually do it. But there's been a couple of people who've been doing that lately. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is a thing. We can, like, encourage it and, like, show off your awesome hard work. So I'm going to have to do that next. There's many things on the to-do list before, before that. <laughs> Call Me North is like, hold me closer, tiny belcher. Yeah. Closer, time, belching. Sorry. Thank you. I was. I saw it and I just grinned and then looked away at you so that I wouldn't. <laughs> so I wouldn't start doing that. Yeah, it's okay. I don't think I sang it well enough for it to get. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Technically, it, it falls. It falls in into. Uh, fair use. It, it was transformative. Yeah. It was fair use or yeah. parody. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Next email. Um. Hello, Queen Kimmy and her kingdom of happydom. In Season 30, Episode 23, you were asked advice on pacing a one-shot, and you gave good advice on module prep where you can add or take out encounters. I would like to offer a different approach that could be used with module prep or on its own. It's more focused on story than on a stream of combats. Now, just kind of hearkening back, if you didn't listen to that episode, Jason and I both use very similar um, like modular design, mm-hmm. where it's like we have a beginning, we have an end, and then there's like a bunch of things that could happen in the middle and you can just kind of swap it out um, based on what the players do and where they go. 
So it's more like of a sandbox design where you know how to end or the, you know how it starts and there's all these things and the, depending on what choices the players make, you just kind of have different things planned that you can slot in. Sort of like a choose your own adventure book, but it's a game. Okay. Um, and some of it you make up as you go. Um, so this is uh, a, a different take on it. I have taken the hero's journey, cut it open, and turned it inside out. I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. <laughs> now, I'll pause in case any of you with my background in performing would like to give a quick rundown of what the hero's journey is for listeners who may not. I'm sure you can do it better than I. Do you do you get it? Get it? Uh, hero's journey? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know the rough outlines, and I even read uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces, but okay. no, like... Each individual step, I couldn't tell you. Okay, yes. Uh, so the hero's journey is something that... I don't remember that. I'm going to Google the like, person's name. I don't remember it. I actually just wrote a song called Hero's Journey that is about this, but like specifically like the ones we are that are very famous, like uh, like Trip to Mordor, all those, because obviously I'm in a nerd band, so that's the ones I'm going to do. So the hero's journey is a set kind of... Uh, Joseph Campbell. Hero Joseph Campbell. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, basically... I knew, I knew. I just had to not think about it for a moment <laughs> so I would remember. Yeah. So, the hero's journey is kind of like a, a very common thing. You can pretty much break down just about any story to using the like this layout where there's like the call to adventure, there's supernatural aid, there's like threshold guardians, like... Um, and then... There's the denial of the call. Yeah. There's like a whole thing. You can look it up. It's... um a very academic thing about that you can put it on like Luke Skywalker, you can put it on Frodo Baggins and you can like, it really just like anybody, you can kind of put it on them. Katniss Everdeen. Um, so it's very specific. Um, so you can look at it. There's transformation, return, all those different things. And it is great. Most of the time. I'm not an expert. Like I haven't, I haven't like studied it in a hot minute like I did it in college, which was when I years ago. And <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's a thing you can it, that you can Google and look up. Um, very much like uh, the, the if you ever did like the writing when you were in elementary school, like the the the, the building up towards the peak and then that the action and all that stuff. So it's it's similar to that, but it's more about the character's development, specifically right. the hero. The climax. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> and you always know because, like, for fourth grade, like when I teach that, there's like four who giggle, <laughs> and I'm just like, you should not be watching that. How do you know that? You're nine. Stop it. Um, and then the rest are just like, what? Why are you laughing? And they don't know what to say. Um, okay. So anyway, um, I did not do it better than you could. I, like, I'm sure you would have done a much better job of describing that. By the way, uh, there are six stages basically for Star Wars: A New Hope. Generic Batman Mythos and Pride and Prejudice. First off, there's a call to action. This is where your PC finds out what the plot is. Your players may already know. This is a plot hook. The robot tells you the princess has been kidnapped by a baddie. Commissioner Gordon tells you that Batman has been captured by the Joker. Uh, Mr. Bigley has invited you and your sisters to his party. Um, two, foreshadow. Here you foreshadow something that the bad guys or the environment will do. I always come back to do this at the end of prep so I know what I'm foreshadowing. Three, everything changes. Hit them with something dramatic. 
The stormtrooper find stormtroopers find you and now are on your tra- tail. You have fallen into the Joker's trap. Mr. Darcy is alluring yet rude to the PC. Note: These are worded in a way that can happen anywhere. When I design set pieces, either the player uh, either the players will prevent the chase scene from happening by keeping the fight where it is or leaving the cool location I wanted to be an arena. I have learned to keep the plot flexible. Thank you. Good job. Because maybe the young moisture farmer doesn't go in the speedy seedy bar for help, but enlists, uh, but enlists in order to get to the Death Star, uh, as a, st- or, but enlist, decides to get to the Death Star as a stormtrooper. The PCs might think the amusement park is too obvious and to go to the city's power station. The young sassy heroine might ditch Bingley's party if their mother takes their eyes off her. Flexibility is key. Four, emotional connection. Give the PCs something to care about in character. I advise prep something for this, but be willing to chuck it for something else in a moment uh, if your guts tell you to. Backstory mining is good for this. The beautiful princess shows a romantic interest in a PC. The Joker baits a PC, excuse me, there it was, uh, baits a PC (laughs) with something traumatic in their backstory. Darcy proposes, and it's extremely insulting. You want me to take over some of these? Because this is a... Kind of a long one? Uh, we still have one more. Okay. So you can take the last one. Okay. Um, at this point, the story might have gone completely off the rails. It probably will. Uh, a PC has abandoned the escort mission to go after the big bat. A PC is trying to seduce the Joker. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I read through this one. I was like, yep. yep. <laughs> a PC has killed Darcy for insulting her and her family and is currently burying the body in the Collins estate. So when he is arrested for murder, the house will remain in the family. Also, yep. <laughs> that is the best ending ever. Oh, my God. It's all cool. Everyone is having fun. I want to write that fanfic now. <laughs> but seriously, hitting on the Joker and murdering someone in a romance game might be out of uh, character conversations. But not the point of this email. Five. On the other side, the other side gets the upper hand. The Death Star is preparing to blow up another planet. Batman is about to drop into a pool of piranhas. An NPC sibling is going to bring shame upon the family. This sets up the loss condition or raises the tension. I have treated this as the villain revealing their final form. The game is almost over, so be rock stars and deal with this. Six. Lose condition. The Death Star blows up a planet. Batman is devoured by sea creatures. Shame is brought upon the house. This is what happens if your players fail, but maybe you don't want the players to lose like this? When you have a smug smuggler come in and steal all the credit saving the day, and Batman gets himself out and saves the PC, accepting them as Robins and praising their good points, Darcy bails the family out of dishonor. Since Darcy is dead in this version, <laughs> give it to someone else. Maybe Mrs. Bingley. Who needs more to do? Maybe go to the Lost Austin, uh, Lost in Austin route and make her gay because it adds so much more to her character. Ideally, your PCs will save the day. But if they don't, just let the conditions happen. It's part of the game. Uh, going back to number two, foreshadowing. This is where the PCs hear about the planet being blown up. So it doesn't come out of nowhere when his escort mission suddenly is has a doomsday device. This is where you ask your players what their environment reminds them of their trauma so you can have the Joker use it to rattle the PC. 
This is where you introduce the shame that could fall upon the family by waving it and the thousand red flags in front of the player so the PC can feel smarter instead of the ridiculous, uh, the dumb sibling who falls for such manipulation. Hope this helps someone and gives others food for thought. Steffi from Scotland on the Discord. I like this. And I like the the kind of the foreshadowing. That's a really great thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and this happened, I mean, th- honestly, these are this is a great breakdown. Feels a lot more accurate for a lot of stories than the hero's journey one, actually. But uh, like, oh, did you hear that, uh, you know, Gladys down the street eloped or was seen in the, you know, walking with a boy without an escort? Oh, that's shame on Goodness. the family. Right. So you see like someone else being shamed for something so that when it suddenly happens or is it might happen to someone in their family, like they have that understanding in that context. Um, that's especially important in... Like games that are any like Good Society is a great example where it's like, you know, this is a very set uh, time period with very set, you know, expectations that not everyone necessarily. I mean, if you're playing that game, you're probably at least a little bit familiar with that. <laughs> but then, you know, not everyone would be familiar with that. So. Hey, murdered hobos, I brought in a new game. We're going to play Good Society. You never know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it gives them kind of that uh, back, that background knowledge that they need and that definitely definitely increases people's enjoyment of games especially during one shots because they don't have time to learn the norms of right. the world and also play so important and also one shots let you get away with like a truly outrageous twist or a truly outrageous uh uh setup and doomsday device absolutely like that that in a Long-term campaign, if everything is earth-shattering and everything's going to destroy the city and everything's going to blah, 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 you get bored of it. Yeah. But in a one-shot, that's what you want. You yeah. want to fly in. You want to punch the asteroid into the sun. You want to wrestle Godzilla down two, <laughs> two, you know, two pins of three. Yeah. I'm not a sports person, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, so, so yeah, l- let it be an outrageous uh, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go big or go home. Yeah. Drive the characters like you stole them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The best. I really like this breakdown, though. I know. This is really good. I think I'm going to swipe this uh, printout, yeah. take it home. Yeah. Pop it into my, uh, pop it up on my uh, writing table. Yeah. It also isn't mutually exclusive with modular game design. Because this is more of a, like, pacing technique rather than, like, spelling out exactly what has to happen. So if in your game... Um, like as more of an improv GM, I'm like, okay, we're getting to the point where I should, you know, do a little bit of foreshadowing. Like, okay, what can I, oh, I know. And you can come up with it. Or if you have some pre-written designs, uh, or, uh, not designs, pre-written, um, like modules, module, yeah, moments, um, or, or, you know, encounters or whatever it is, you can drop something in there. Well, I also think those would be good in your back pocket if the, if the PCs go off the rails and do something weird, like, oh, you're seducing the Joker. Um, okay, well, let me use this scenario that I'd sort of prepared ahead of time. I'm going to tweak it a little bit, and now it's taking place in a chemical factory because that's where the Joker hangs out. You Every know, episode, periodically. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think this is great. It's a really good ba- breakdown, and it's a big improvement on the, the hero's journey, personally, which I find accurate, but also like a little academic. Like it's yeah. like. Let me show you how amazing I can break down every story ever. And you're like, okay, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, there's only, you know, three stories or whatever. The I think it's seven, isn't it? Seven? I don't know. Seven stories? Probably. Anyway. 
I don't. I don't think that's actually true. I know. I, I think that's a bunch of bullshit, personally. But well, an overgeneralization. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, if you if you look at something from far enough away, like things are all going to look the same. <laughs> like if you if you if you back up far enough to the, the three thousand feet or whatever it is, like yeah. I I saw um I saw this meme that was it was in relation to gender, mm-hmm. but it had a pie chart of how much in the universe, how much hydrogen there is, how much helium there is, and then all the other elements is this, this tiny little sliver. Yeah. It says, well, apparently everything is either hydrogen or helium and everything else is just a statistical non, non-empty. <laughs> yes. But uh, applicable. Definitely yeah. applicable. It's, it's smart. That's funny. Yeah. I, I appreciated that yeah. on many levels. I'm like, yeah, obviously. All right. I, I do want to say just one last thing. Yeah. I tried to get it on this email, and Kimmy inadvertently saved you all because I was going to read it in my horrible Scottish accent. I'm sorry, <laughs> Steffi, that I'm that I'm belittling your your proud and wonderful country, but I wasn't going to be able to help it. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah. all right, mailbag three. Adam, season thirty-one, episode two, the One Ring. Greetings, Jackie Happers. I hear you need emails, and in season one, episode two, Kimmy said, season season thirty one, episode two, Kimmy said she was going to run yep. the run the one ring. Woo! I got a new warm up exercise for for vocals. <laughs> run the one ring with these with these powers combined. I have things to say. See, this is how much we need emails. I'm reading emails that were sent in literally like three days ago. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Uh, first, I'm so excited for Kimmy. Tolkien Savant to run a One Ring game, and I have to admit that as a resident Lord of the Rings guy in my friend circle, I'm more than a little jealous of anyone who's going to get to sit at that at the feet of the master. Oh Lord! <laughs> no pressure, no Kimmy. Pressure. Oh my God! What? Uh, like, okay, continue. I'll talk about it. In a okay. Uh, the dice mechanic in Tor or the One Ring is a bit more Mother May I than I'm a fan of. But with someone who knows the world as much as her, I imagine it can only be a good time. Second, I want to share the time I played T.O.R. This isn't a horror story or a success story. It's like a fable, I suppose. <laughs> okay, so it's got a moral. That's a requirement of a fable. Is, is that a requirement of a fable? Yeah. I thought that was a requirement of, oh yeah, Aesop's fables. I guess those yeah, are fables. Yeah, no, that's okay. a definite thing. It's okay. a part of the fourth grade curriculum oh, in okay. California. Just gotcha. FYI. Sorry, go ahead. Wow, how academic of you, Joseph. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hero's journey and yeah, now, now teaching Look fables. at us like literature experts here on the Happy Jacks <laughs> RPG podcast. Oh, pinkies in the air. Yes, let me sip my uh, Starbucks tea with my pinky up. Hmm. Okay, please continue. All right. My one real experience in playing the One Ring was about five years ago with my regular group. Pro. I like my group. They're fun people, and playing games with them is pretty much always a good time. Honestly, that has to be a pro playing with your group, or you're in the wrong group. (laughs) Uh, Con. With one exception, they all love to win. GM included. Min-maxing and rules-lowering their way into getting the most dice for as many things as possible as often as they can get away with. This isn't what I enjoy when playing games, but none of us had played before, so who was I to say they were wrong? 
So while I was doing all the extra credit, meticulously allocating my points to make my character with believable qualities, and scouring the timeline to write an accurate full-page 10-point font single-space background for my Dunedain Ranger, we were allowed to use all the supplement books, surprise, surprise, everyone else was making their character who is good at one thing. Uh, yeah, we used to call that Johnny Fireball. <laughs> That's all he does. Fireball. Fireball. <laughs> the highlights of this were a Hobbit super tank and Gagnar the astringent, who before doing nearly anything would light his pipe and to try and roll his smoking skill. I'm sorry. <laughs> a Hobbit super tank? That is not... No. Mm. None of my players should be making Hobbit super tanks. I'm going to be super annoyed because that's not a Hobbit. Like Dwarven super tanks? I can take that. Okay. But you don't even wear shoes as a Hobbit. You can't be a tank if you don't have shoes on. Can you? I mean, I guess you... I mean, mechanically, you, pro- you can in the game. But, like, thematically, I feel that it's very off theme, Um, actually. It's like... <laughs> excuse it's me. breaking Kimmy's immersion. Yes, I'm sorry. I do want to say, tangent here... One of my favorite D&D characters I ever played was named Edwin Hollowhill, who was a halfling who specialized with a great club. That's very cool. In in terms of that. Because I was like, right. But yes, he was a tanky fighter, you know, with with a club because no one ever specialized clubs. This is back in like second edition, guys, when specialization was actually a thing. Yeah, But that's also D&D. Right. That's not. I know. It's not the one ring. And so, and technically, those are halflings, not hobbits. Yes. So, yes. They are. There's a little, there's a Thematically tiny, similar, but, but legally, legally distinct. distinct from. <laughs> there's been, there, there were, there were in court fact, cases. That is, in fact, that yeah. is true. Yes. <laughs> there, were, there were court cases about this, yes. All right. We skip the introductory adventure and head straight into hearing about a mad dwarf still alive in Khazad-dûm, making automatons who are going to go out and attacking and kidnapping Bjornings in the valley. A call to adventure! Awesome. We pull out the map and everybody's eyes roll back into their heads. They all turn to me, shaking with anticipation at plotting a course. Just let Jesse do it, someone says, to the agreement of all. (laughs) Jesse will do it. Jesse does everything. He knows what it is. (laughs) (laughs) At least there wasn't a Mikey in this game. (laughs) Uh, To people who don't get that, I'm sorry. I'm old. (laughs) Uh, Some... uh, they slide the they slide the map over to me and jump on their phones until I'm done. Ooh. Annoying as that is nobody wants to try and help. It's more as n- annoying as it is that nobody wants to try and help. Uh, any mistakes in the pronunciation of the email are entirely on me and not on the writer. <laughs> it's more annoying when I look up and ask for people's opinions and I get crickets in response. Do you want to take a longer route that puts us on the west side of the mountains where it's safer? Or should we take the shorter, more dangerous way on the east side? Shrugs, non-committal responses, whichever, you know the map. Okay, I'll plot the whole course then, I suppose. Mm-hmm. On to the journey phase. It goes by in about five minutes as everyone, GM included, just wants to roll dice and see how much endurance we lose before moving on to the action. From Bayorn's house to Karat to Karadras to Moira, and less time than it takes to say... Nobody goes off the trail. Nobody walks alone. Oh. I have a migraine now. I'm sorry. That show in that part of it, that just, it, that's from, that's from the Rings of Power on Amazon. Oh, I have had, I'm, I might have to turn in my, my geek card, but uh, I have zero interest in watching that. It, there, there were so many things that I really liked, and this particular piece is one of the things that bothers me the most. 
and I can like rant about that when you're was, done. Was like speed speed walking through? No, no, no. This like okay. Uh, well, I'll talk about okay. It. Put pin. Sorry, pin sorry. In it. We get to Moria and and spend a single day finding the Mad Dwarf, and he's a villain, literally straight out of a book of old folk tales the GM bought a couple of weeks ago. It's aggressively on Tolkien, but I'm the only one who really notices. The Hobbit tank tanks, Gagnar the astringent smokes and swings an axe, and I sit back, sit in the back, and quietly stork my rolls until it's over. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm laughing with you. Yes. After one single session of the game fizzled out, the dwarven automatons defeated, and the mad dwarf, I think we ended up killing him? It's hard to remember, and that pretty much sums up the whole escapade. Oof. Nobody was particularly upset about it, and after seeing how little anyone else, GM included, was interested, I was more than a little glad we were finished myself. And there it is. Like I said, it's not a horror story because nothing awful happened, and not a success story because there weren't any great moments on either the GM or player side. Aww. It was a case of everyone enjoying the subject of a game without enjoying the content of it, which made the experience worse than the sum of its parts. I said earlier this was a fable, and fables always have a moral to them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good job. You passed fourth grade. Good job. Good job. The moral here is, while it's important... <laughs> I was way too excited. No, I'm super excited about that, too. Because I just loved it. <laughs> and our little tangent came back. Circle. Perfect. Uh, Jesse, you win the internet <laughs> yeah. for the night. Sorry to everyone whose eardrums I just blew out with my hair. So, yeah, I apologize. I'm excited about learning. <laughs> Go ahead. The moral here is, while it's important to run games you like, it's also important to keep in mind what kinds of games your players like. If you run a character-driven, lore-heavy game for a group that mostly just wants to whack stuff with a stick, nobody is going to be thrilled with the result. Sorry for the long email. Hopefully it brought you all some entertainment. Till next time round, keep your stick on the ice. Actual Jesse. Thank you. Yes. I am uh, I'm thrilled and also dreading this game. I was so, I was very excited. Um, but every single person has made comments to me like, oh, someone who knows Tolkien as much as you, this is going to be fantastic. And there's just like this giant weight on me now. And I'm like, oh, oh, what have I done? Like, this is like, it's so in my lane that I'm going to fail people's expectations. Especially because of my ADHD, like, my Tolkien knowledge, like, is vast and unreliable when I need it the most. So it's like when I'm not, when I, when people aren't asking me, like, oh, what's the name of that one? Oh, I don't know. But later on, I'm like, the whole story of his life. And I know everything about him. And he was at this age when the five armies happened and blah, blah, blah. Like, so I am going to do my best. It'll be great. I am excited about the system. I'm still like reading through it and really trying to figure it out. I really like the phases. That seems like a really cool element of it. The fellowship, the journey, you kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, I'm going to try and not get so into the lore that it becomes like a history book. <laughs> like I want it to be more Lord of the Rings than the Silmarillion as far as like density, because nobody wants to watch the Silmarillion. I mean, I do, but. Most people don't. Um, I also found out, fun, fun, I'm not going to tell which player, one of my players might be more of a Tolkien scholar than I am. Hmm. Like, they legit, like, speak Sindarin. And I'm sorry, I only speak Quenya. And I don't actually speak it, I type it. So I'm, I'm like, one tier down. Um, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I was like, 
Uh, oh, cool. Gary. Uh, oh, oh, you know. Oh, you know. Oh, you know. You know. <laughs> we did our like pre session zero meeting and they were just like so excited. And I was like, oh, you know, you know all about this. This is amazing. So great. Um, so that's going to be, I, that's very exciting and also a little intimidating. Um, I would love to like just go hang out and talk to them about it all, but like running a world for them is also, it's making me very nervous. Yeah. yeah. But it'll be great. It'll be fine no matter what it is. No one else at the table will know when I screw up and hopefully they're, I, they have already told me that they're going to be nice enough and not to call me on it when I screw things up. <laughs> so, and I may well, not you have just to. say in, in this version, in this, in this world, the multiverse. Yes. <laughs> in this third age. Yes. It'll be great. And, uh, I, I am very, very excited about it. I've been able to pull out like all my books and I've been like really diving back into it in a lot of ways that I hadn't. I'd sort of started doing it when Rings of Power came out. I did watch Rings of Power. There were things about it I loved. Um, the timeline is so condensed that it's, it's hard to make sense of mm. in a weird way. I mean, it's hard to make sense of for both people. Like if you have no idea what's happening, it's hard There's to no track. Idea what's yeah, happening. yeah. If, like if you if you aren't a Tolkien scholar and you're watching, it's very hard to know what's happening because there's a lot of things they just assume you know. Um, like there's in Tolkien lore, there's these beautiful gems called the Silmarillions, which have the light of Isn't it the the Silmarils. Yes, the Silmarils. Uh, Silmarillion. Yes, sorry, yes. Story the story. Of the yeah, thank you for correcting me. Uh, see, this is what I'm going <laughs> to that, do. That's that's the limit of my knowledge, <laughs> right there. But at the at the beginning of uh at the beginning a little bit into the world before the sun and the moon existed the earth was lit by these two glowing trees uh uh lorian and telperion and they were basically like kind of like the sun and the moon one was golden one was silver and they lit the world um they were killed by um a spider named ungoliant and morgoth who eventually become he's like sauron's boss he's like the worst sauron but he's a uh, way in the past and by the time Lord of the Rings comes around Sauron takes over he's like oh I'm gonna now I'm the most powerful because I was like the number two most powerful and so now I'm the most powerful now that the number one one's gone so so no no matter how goth Sauron was his boss was Morgoth Morgoth is like the <laughs> shit man it's like yeah Morgoth was like the the basically the take on Satan who was like like he he was the ultimate most powerful who fell and became evil, basically, in the, the elven pantheon. And anyway, there's this, the, the light of those trees before they were killed were captured in these gems called the Simmerals. And they are the thing that, like, most of, like, second age stuff in, in first age, not so much second age, but, like, a lot of shit happens because of these gems. And they talk about them all the time in Rings of Power, and they never say what they are. <laughs> So, so I don't, if you don't know anything about it, you're like, I don't, what the F are Silmarils? No, like you, yeah, I don't know how you watched is, it. Is it a bird? <laughs> I mean, you get the idea they're like these gems, but you're just like, and then it's like they tie it in with all this other stuff. And you're just like, I, I don't think they ever defined what those were. How are people following this? Like, I know what they are. My husband and I are like watching it together the whole time. Just like side eye. Oh my gosh. Did you see that? Um, Like it was so much fun, but. That was one of the things I just, like, if you are Tolkien, Tolkien scholar, they condense things so much that they have to, like, push things that happened onto other characters and, like, they made up other characters. Fucking change a whole shitload of lore, but fine. He's so gonna... it's just like, it's just like the Lord of the Rings movies, then. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it's more like The Hobbit. 
the Lord of the Rings movies, they change stuff and you're like, okay, I see why they changed that. Like, okay, like they had to like fit it in there. For the most part, most of the changes I'm cool with, except for fucking Helm's Deep, which I will hate till I die um, in the second movie. Uh, the elves are not supposed to show up. Yep. No, no elves. elves at Helm's Deep. No elves. No elves. Um, but yes, the last alliance of men and elves that happened generations before was the last alliance of men and elves for a reason. I'm sorry. I'm like way, way off on a tangent here. Anyway. I, no, no, no. I was totally. Yeah. <laughs> I used to go off on a rant with a friend of mine about no elves at Helm's Deep. And in fact, I had a Blood Bowl team that was made up of, that was made up of elves called the Helm's Deep Cheer Squad. <laughs> <laughs> just just because yeah just because of how much i hated that yeah, yeah that's so annoying anyway but like most of the stuff in uh uh in the lord of the rings movies you're like okay i get it but like some of the stuff they did like i made no sense but anyway that's the hard thing it's like like watching it it's like they don't they just are really important things that they just never explain or define so it sounds like it is designed for the casual tolkien Watcher like yeah. like me, mm-hmm. who, who, as I've said, have no interest in watching this. Yeah. Mainly mainly because I think that the I have big feelings about the Hobbit and also about the Lord of the Rings movies that mm-hmm. I feel that there's a lot of butchered stuff in there and I, I didn't yeah. want to see another version of a butcher whatever. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. But like I know enough to know what the Silmarils are, but I don't know enough to to care that this got condensed onto that character yeah. for, for those for whatever. Yeah. And most of the time it's like, it will write some of its theories at the moment because it didn't actually happen. But, and a lot of it, like there's not a lot of actual second age stuff in Tolkien's writings. So there's a lot of wiggle room, mm. which is great. Some of it doesn't make sense that they did, but fine. Um, so it's interesting. Um, the last episode did surprise me, which I was excited about. I thought for sure I knew exactly what was happening. And then like 10 minutes into the last episode, my husband and I look at each other like, oh shit. And we were surprised. And it was like a, kind of a nice twist. Um, but yes, this thing where it says nobody goes off trail, nobody walks alone is from the worst thing in the Rings of Power, which are the Harfoots, which are like the, the ancestors of the hobbits. Mm-hmm. They are awful. They are terrible. I hate them. I hate everything about their storyline. I hate all of it. They are literally the most evil beings in Middle Earth on this. It's ridiculous are they, are they worse than the sax sackville bagginses oh 100 like okay. you see like you're just like oh my god they're the worst but this is the thing they do like they're supposed to be like a, a nomadic civilization which is cool and like okay that's an interesting they have like carts they pull um but it's literally like they, nobody goes off trail nobody walks alone is like their chant except if at any point you are injured and you can't pull your cart they just leave you to die and you're just like well, well you're not you're not what? walking if you're walking, you're not alone. But if you're not walking, if you're not walking, see a buddy. Yeah. See the little asterisk next to it with the notes at the bottom. Does not apply if you cannot walk. Yeah. It's like the, the quick little thing. But it's just wild, like watching. Like it, it was just wild. That whole They're thing. They're like sharks that stop swimming and they die. So if you stop walking as a hard foot, that's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it was just so strange that they went that direction with them and. I just, there's a lot of weird things when you watch them. It's also really entertaining. Like, if you are, like, a real Tolkien nerd, they have, like, the the travel montage where it's, like, them walking, and then you see, like, the map with the little dots appearing. Oh, I always love that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why I'm a sucker for but, that. No, it's really fun. But, I like, but, Indiana Jones with the... Yeah, dee- that's super good. <laughs> and it wasn't, like, a big deal, except if you look at the map and you know what they're doing, it's like, why did they... They just did this giant, like, loop 
around, which makes no sense. Like, there's not anything in between. So like, it wasn't like they were avoiding Berkwood or something? No. They just, they just walked through this they just pasture this, all the way a big long? Like, huge. Like, it would have taken them, like, years to go to walk the trail that they did, just because I, I don't know if people, like, knew. I don't know. Like, there's moments that you're like, oh, wow, a Tolkien person, like, really helped with this. And there are moments you're like, has anybody read the book? Like, has did, did you read the book notes? <laughs> I have the abridged Guide to Tolkien for Dummies, if you'd like to read this before you like make this show. But yeah, that was the other thing. My husband was just laughing his ass off when they did their little like nomadic tri- like trip. He was just like, where are they going? What? Why? What is? Never mind. It's fine. They just needed a that long of a montage. <laughs> so it's like, we'll leave this way and we'll go in a circle. And it's just the strangest thing. But yeah, they were. You know, they wanted to make it long without making it Jeffy from Family Circus. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was wild. Some of the designs were cool. Um, it's funny though, because like they had such a huge budget, like a bigger budget than the movies even, and some of the stuff just looks weird. Mm. And the other thing that really, I'm sorry, I know this is not what this email's about, but <laughs> thank you. I'm going off on this because I've been trying not to for the last few episodes of the show, but this seems very on. Get us. This yeah. is your show, Kenny. You, you can go. talk about whatever I can you talk want. About whatever I want. The other thing is, um, like, they do not have the rights to the movies. Like, the movies are technically a distinct thing right. from this show. And for a lot of things, they try and make that distinction. Like, the elves all have short hair and stuff like that, which I'm fine with. Like, whatever. Okay, that's your aesthetic choice. The hair is a little strange, but go, go, you be you. Styles change. Yeah. Styles change between ages. Absolutely. Um. But it's the weirdest thing because they constantly are referencing things that are in the movies, but not in any of the books. So, like, you're just like, I I wonder how the people who made the Lord of the Rings movies feel about them just using that line that they wrote into the script of the movie. Oh, I see. That a character never says in the books. It's like something that they made as like a trademark little thing for them to say in the movie. And this show just does it. And you're just like... You don't have the rights. Okay, I guess that's not well, it's a, a homage. You can't you can't trademark words. That's true, but it's just it's very strange. Like sometimes they use it as shorthand for like, this is who this person is, like directly referencing those movies. And then sometimes they try and do things so differently. It reminds me of uh, Agents of Shield. I don't know if you ever watched that, but they were constantly referencing things that were happening in the MCU movies. Yeah, but they couldn't like use the names because yeah. they because it was totally different. Mm-hmm. So they'd say like, oh yeah, the Thunder Guy, or, <laughs> or stuff like this. Yeah. Or like, oh, it's a shame that all this is going on. You know, New York was destroyed, but we're not going to see it or talk about it or, <laughs> or reference any of these heroes. Right. Yeah, maybe that is very strange. Uh, I don't want to give examples because it's spoilers. I did enjoy watching it. I, I I did have a good time. And every week, my husband and I would like, yeah, we'll pop on. Like, all right. Oh, fun. Yeah. It's like, it was like our thing every week where it's like, okay, let's see. And, like, it was, like, sort of hate-watching, but also, like, we liked parts of it. So some episodes more than others. I understand. Yeah. I The later seasons of Game of Thrones did that to me because I loved the books. Yeah. And then I feel like up to about season four, it was it was good. And a little, you know, they changed some things here and there. But I was like, that's fine. I get it. It's a different medium. <laughs> and then they just started going off on, like, weird rails. And I was like, okay. Yes. It suddenly doesn't take any... It, it took four seasons for them to get from the north down to King's Landing, but then it was like, 
Fast travel, fast travels enabled. Yeah, I don't know if anyone played World of Warcraft vanilla, but you had to go to each city yep. and find the the Griffin Master or the the Flight Master before you could fly there, and it was like that. It was like, oh, now we've made the long trek. <laughs> now we can just hop on <laughs> hop on a Griffin and go back. Oh, memories. <laughs> uh, all right, I think I I ranted for quite yeah. long enough. Thank oh. you all for your patience with my. Rings of Power. But yes, I'm I'm very excited to run this game. I'm very intimidated. Um I also like haven't GM'd for a bit anything but a game that I've written. Like it's been like at the beginning of the pandemic I and I GM'd some games like during the pandemic, but it's been a little while and I haven't GM'd anything on stream in a really long time, which right. didn't occur to me till like sort of recently. And I'm a little nervous about that, which Well, you I'm, ran a one shot at the last con. Yeah, but that's that's not on stream. That's a little different. Okay. When you screw up in like I like we were talking about in our first email, referencing our first email, uh, when you screw up at a con, like it's like all right, or if you're like oh, I got to bathroom break, hey everyone, bathroom break, <laughs> and then you can think of the next thing, um, and so so it's a little different. And I had so many players for that game, like I had, God, how many of us were there? There's, I, I don't think know. There you eight. have like eight players. Yeah, it started off small, like with some people, and then like it just like grew. Um, which was great, but and it also meant I had to come up with very little. <laughs> all I had to do was like somehow weave all of you together, which ended up really good. But yeah, I, it'll be great. It'll be fine. I'm just a little nervous. It'll be great. You're gonna do okay. It'll be fine. I mean, hopefully better than okay. But <laughs> oh, I know you're, be... you're gonna do great. I'm gonna do I was great. trying not to put. I was trying not I'm to put too much pressure yeah, on. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. Uh, one thing I do want to say, just real quick before mm-hmm. I wrap up here, is that anyone who is complaining about the time or the rant or whatever. Listen, <laughs> you knew we were a scorpion when you picked us up. That's all I gotta say. Yes, <laughs> you knew it was gonna be about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. By now, you should know. And yeah. if it's the first time listening, I don't usually go on Lord of the Rings rants often. If it's if it's your first time listening, we had a lot of in jokes here, so you got to go all the way back and w- listen to all of yeah. the the. At least season 30. 30 season. Don't listen to 30 season. They're not even available anymore. Start at the beginning of season 30. Give us a little bit of, like, see, like halfway through season 30. Then we really get the audio okay. going. So then you go. Season 30, episode 15, and then start there. Uh, anyway, so that's it. Um, thank you all for writing in emails. I appreciate and acknowledge and love you. Other people should do the same. Um, thank you for joining us for season 31, episode four. Uh, please visit Hivemind with two Y's right where you think they're going to be. Dot itch. Dot IO. <laughs> thank you for that. You're going to steal that all month. Um, to support our amazing indie designer of the month, Christina Stonebush. Um, thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad free and independent. They are fantastic heroes. If you'd like to join them, you can go to happyjacks.org slash Patreon. Uh, my name is Kimmy. I'm Nick. And today we're going to leave you with a jazz version of Toss a Coin to Your Witcher by a band called the Mary Sue's. And you can find them at marysuesband.com. If you listen very closely, you can hear my voice. I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. All right. Thank you all. And we will see you next week. Toss a coin to your witcher, O oh, valley of plenty, O oh, valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, O oh, valley of plenty. When a humble bard graced a ride along with Geralt of 
Rivia, along came this song. When the white wolf fought, silver-tongued devil, his army of elves at his feet they did revel. They came after me, masterful deceit, broke down my loot and hicked in my teeth. When the devil's horns minced our tender meat, and so cried the witcher, he can't be bleed. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. The edge of the world, fight the mighty horde that bashes and breaks you and brings you to mourn. He thrusts every elf far back on the shelf, high up on the mountain from where they did come. He wiped out your pest. Got kicked in the chest, a friend of humanity, so give him the rest. That's my epic tale, champion prevailed, defeated the villain, now pour him some air. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. <laughs>